0: So still crying on this show. Back here on Darren Donnick and Chase on this rainy Thursday morning here in Nashville. Darren McFarlane, Chase McCabe, Willie D is in Denver, Colorado. Predators and Avalanche. Tonight at 8 o'clock, I'll have pregame for you at 7. Everything heard right here on 102.5, the game. A guy we've talked to over the years about the opponent of the Titans. Sunday over at Nissan Stadium, Saren Petro is on the line. He's the host of the program, Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. Saren, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Always great to be on the town. I love to sit in traffic in when I'm on my way to Alabama.
0: Yeah, <laughs> try living it every day, you know? We went from that cute little city that everybody loved. Now it's everybody's here and you can't move, so you get to look at the city all the time.
1: It's a pretty city, though. I will give you that, man. It's a pretty town.
0: Well, speaking of that, because we've... Certainly had our our fun at all the people that love to uh, come visit our city. And certainly if there's a reason for a a sports fan, their favorite team is coming to Nashville. They're like, hey, let's go to Nashville. We've seen it before. We've seen teams. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen teams take over Nissan Stadium with those big fan bases. Uh, Kansas City's all in with their team. Are they going to be making the trek to Nashville? Yeah,
1: they are. And, you know, though, I will stick up for Titan fans because we've seen the same thing here in Kansas City the last two weeks. There was plenty of green and gold with the Packers two weeks ago. The purple really pops off the screen in contrast to the red at Arrowhead Stadium. And I think it's the reality. I think we all kind of get caught in our own, you know, little world. We were always bragging about how many Chiefs fans are at all these places and how great we are. And now we're watching it happen in our own stadium. And I think it's the reality of the secondary ticket market. So many of those season tickets – are not bought by fans. They're bought by the secondary market that's just going to sell them to whoever they want. And all of our stadiums have plenty of uh, road fans because fans say, hey, I can take one great trip to Nashville, have a ball for a weekend, or I can buy ten games, two of which are preseasons that I don't want, and maybe two other stinkers. Man, I'll I'll go all in on a great trip to Nashville. So, uh, you know, I I don't think anybody needs to feel ashamed for it because we're supposedly one of, if not the best fan base ever, and there was plenty of purple. The Chiefs players we're calling out the fans, Damian Williams, after the game about how much purple is in the stands.
0: Wow, interesting. Yeah, I guess the Chargers would would weigh in on this conversation and said we have 16 road games this year. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, the Chargers. I all those comments apply to 31 teams,
0: not the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, every game you see, it's like anybody, the, whoever they're playing. I mean, that Green Bay game. I I was looking for a Chargers fan there in L. A. Um, how did you think? I got to be honest. I, I said on this show, I was surprised. At how well? I mean, I just figured Kansas City would look just exactly like the Packers look when Rodgers goes down, if Russell Wilson goes down in Seattle, when Andrew Luck went down in Indianapolis. Basically, these teams fall apart. It's, it's happening in Pittsburgh with Roth, Roethlisberger, and I figured, well, as long as Mahomes is out, I know they have other good players, but the Chiefs are going to fall apart. Well, they went to Denver and smoked the Broncos. They hung in there. I watched that game against Green Bay. They're back and forth and they lose by a touchdown, and then they come up with a big win against Minnesota. I thought they looked really good without him. How did you feel?
1: Yeah, and you know, I'll go you a step further against the Packers. They were back and forth, and they had a critical fumble by LaShawn McCoy late um, that that gave basically the Packers back to back. It was the first first down after uh, the Packers scored, so they basically got back-to-back possessions, the second one point blank. And, they also had kind of like a, almost a, a 20-yard Hail Mary. I mean, Rodgers just threw it to the back of the end zone and they were able to catch it. Uh, I think the Packers were the better team that day because of the injuries to the Chiefs. But, you know, those two plays were, were monumental. That and, and Andy Reid not going for it on fourth down and punting away and never getting the ball. Those were the big talking points after that Packer game. And I, and I, think, I think it's a – I'm with you. I think it's a great observation. And what I think it speaks to is I tell people this all the time. Andy Reid is the most underrated coach in the National Football League. Doesn't mean he's the best. Bill Belichick's better. Doesn't mean he's flawless. He has flaws. But for all the credit he gets, he doesn't get enough uh, because he is simply brilliant as an offensive mind. And you know, the Chiefs aren't just without their left tackle in and, and some of these games, left guard and right guard, uh, without their number one pass rusher against the Packers. They didn't have their number one or two. Both Frank Clark and Chris Jones out in that one. Didn't have their number one corner in Fuller. they They're not just banged up. It's not just a backup quarterback. I've had a lot of people say, well, you're a backup quarterback. It's actually the third quarterback. Chad Henney uh, was the backup quarterback, and he broke his ankle in the last preseason game. And Matt Moore got called a week into the se- a week before the season started. So he's literally only been around the Chiefs for ten weeks, and he's been able to play this way. And it's because of Andy Reid, his ability to scheme and play call. You know, I-, I know a lot of the divisional towns I'll go on with a lot more, and I say, you know what you're going to see today? You know, and this is even like four or five years ago. You're going to see twice Travis Kelsey, the only real legitimate offensive weapon back at that time before Tyreek Hill was here and, and some of the other guys before Kareem Hunt was the, uh, the running back. So you're going to watch him run high school wide open at least twice in this game. He's the only guy you do not want to let beat you on this offense, yet he will be high school wide open twice in this game, and it's because Andy Reid is brilliant. And he will find an opportunity to get his playmakers just absolutely wide open. And now that he's got – multiple weapons uh, even with a Matt Moore there's no doubt they, they will be a better team with Patrick Mahomes I think he plays uh, this week he won't be as mobile for the rest of the year as he's been in the past but he'll play and with that cannon and that arm there are differences Matt Moore's late to throw the ball sometimes which makes plays that if he sees it quicker uh, you get him the ball quicker with more velocity and the guy can run after the catch and there's not as much run after the catch with Matt Moore but Andy Reid will just bail out any quarterback he has there's a reason why he got second-round picks for Kevin Cobb and AJ Feely and you know these guys that were just absolute rummy quarterbacks because people look at the tape and go, "Oh, this guy's great," when in reality, Andy Reid's the guy who's great at uh, play scheme.
0: Interesting. Seren Petro on the line with us, Sports Radio eight ten there in Kansas City. Tyreek Hill is not just a burner, right? We used to always talk about Mike Wallace and like he's just a guy that runs down the field really fast, doesn't have good hands. He's a one-trick pony. Tyreek Hill is not that, and maybe there was a time at the beginning of his career I just thought, oh, here's a really, really dynamic, fast guy, but after watching him now, I realize this dude goes up and gets it, he's got great hands, I mean, he he is turned into an elite receiver in the league, you see him day in and day out, what do you think?
1: You know, there is an absolute burner. You know, the guy you described is on this roster, and it's McCole Hardman, the the second-round pick from Georgia this year. You know, he played nine offensive snaps. People, you know, get excited because he ran a little shovel pass in from 30 yards out for a touchdown against the Vikings, and it was a big play. But really, what what he did was run in one straight line, turn right, and run in a straight line. That's a burner. And, you know, maybe he'll grow into more of a receiver, but they really kind of pick their spots on where they're going to use McCole Hardman. Uh, He's seen in the return game a lot, so you feel like he's out on the field a lot more, but he's really not. And that's, frankly, what Chiefs fans, uh, listen, forget about all the -the off-the-field stuff that that came with him, but as a football player, people thought, boy, if we can get that out of him, what a great fifth-round draft pick. And and you're right, he's grown to be – a tremendous wide receiver. First of all, he's physically different than anybody else. You guys know from being in that locker room, the, 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 the National Football League player is a different species, right? They are just physically different than your average Joe. But then you look at him, not by size, right? He's not six seven like Chris Jones or Tano Passigno, but by his body type, he is a freak amongst freaks. His hamstrings look like a flexed bicep. I mean, he is so stout and sturdy. His neck is amazingly thick. And and there is zero fat. I mean, there is zero fat. If you go back and look at the video of him jumping into the stands after his touchdown last week, I think you can see one of the Chiefs fans who's patting him on the shoulder actually cop a feel of his shoulder. Like, the guy's (laughs) amazed at what he's feeling. He's just like, oh, my God, what is this? This this is not human. I mean, he is amazing when it comes to the physicality of it, but he actually puts in the work. And with all the -the off-the-field stuff that's – been around him what doesn't get talked about is how hard he has worked to become a receiver. You're talking about a guy that had a handful, maybe a year of of, you know, junior college football and a few snaps at Oklahoma State mostly as a running back that then went to the NFL and has made himself into a receiver in just a couple of years and he is tremendous. He is a threat. His vertical is off the charts cuz he actually is not a great hand catcher. He body catches a lot. But he does a great job with his strong body of walling off defenders, going up, cradling the ball, and he can control his body in the air like no one else because he's so fast that when he gears down to control his body, he's still faster than the guys around him and can bring him in. So, you know, we debate who's the bigger threat, Kelsey or Hill. Hill's the one that defensive coordinators worry about more because he can strike for that touchdown from anywhere on the field. Kelsey is an assassin on the inside. The reality is you have both, and it doesn't matter. And you can't double-team both. And you're going to have a hard day no matter what, as long as both those guys are on the field.
2: We're talking to Seren Petro. He hosts the program on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. And, Seren, you know, both teams will send out their media notes, and I always like to glance at those. And there's one stat that popped out at me that I have no explanation for, but for some reason, it, it, this is the way it is. Andy Reid is one in seven all time against the Tennessee Titans, including one in three since he's been in Kansas City. I don't have an explanation for that and I doubt you do either because I feel like Kansas City has always had better teams than the Titans but for some reason they just the Titans find a way to win against Kansas City.
1: Yeah, my, my best guess would be it's just a statistical anomaly off too small a sample size, right? That's what I'd like to say. But, I, I listen, we'll never forget the game that kept the Chiefs. Andy Reid's been in five playoffs in six years and appears to be barreling towards his sixth and seven years. He's had six winning seasons. The one year he didn't make the playoffs, the second year they were nine and seven. And they lost the opener to the Tennessee Titans in Ken Wisenhunt. And we're like, wow, the Titans are going to be pretty good. And they ended up being terrible. <laughs> and you're just like, what's going on? Andy Reid's season is always better been his opposition's offseason. And that's the game that really jumps out at me, is like how at the time that Andy Reid is usually at his best did he get stung uh, by the Titans? And, you know, talent, there's different things that, that come into it. But overall, you know, I don't have a good explanation. I know this. I know in, in talking to Mike Brabo, I had a chance to sit down with him one-on-one at the American Century Championships in Tahoe where he played. And by the way, what a great guy. What a class act to represent your organization. I mean, Listen, it's a win business, and if he doesn't win, he'll get fired. I, I understand that. Uh, he needs You've got to you gotta have a quarterback. We're, we're seeing the difference of Andy Reid with a Hall of Fame quarterback. But as far as a class act to represent your organization, it doesn't get any better than Mike Vrabel. And, and listening to Coach Vrabel talk about, you know, what it is about Andy Reid and just kind of the way he clearly held him in very high regard as both a human being but also just in his coaching, you know, I, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. Get it, I know Andy was very complimentary of of Mike Brabel, he said he gets it, he does it right, you know schematically he 's tough to prepare for. you know he talked uh, about all the things that he really likes what Brabel brings, but obviously he 's had nothing to do with that uh, for most of that run i don 't know there might be one game in there maybe i 'm forgetting uh, where coach Brabel was the guy, but no, uh, i don 't know I, I don't know maybe, maybe, listen maybe it 's the fans' party too much in, in Nashville because i 've been listening to uh, all my friends talk about they can 't wait for their trip down to Nashville. maybe that carries over to coach reed i don 't know
2: <laughs> we 'll find out for sure defensively i think when when people looked at the kansas city chiefs you know offense that's their identity and in defense there were some question marks what have you seen out of the progression of the defense as we've gone through half the season
1: you know an amazing progression you know i I tried to calm the masses down by saying listen don 't even complain to me about the defense until we 're done with the fifth game let 's give them four games to try to figure out what steve Spagnolo's scheme is, and then after week five, we can start evaluating this team and and they were bad uh, even after the fifth game they were in really bad shape it 's really been uh, games seven eight nine where it started to click, and that 's actually been when they were the most most banged up. I mean, that's, that's been one of their problems. Frank Clark being down, Chris Jones, Kendall Fuller uh, being out. That was a big problem uh, for them, yet they overcame it and played some of their best defense. And early on, that first team was against the Broncos. Okay, they're not good. And they had the whole, you know, aspect of watching Patrick Mahomes lay on the field. And, you know, I think that energizes the team. Everybody rallies around the backup quarterback and plays at a high level. So you thought, well, this is just a bad team and a, and a night where everybody really brought it to that – next level to, to make up for the fact that the star quarterback was down. But then they play the Packers, and while the Packers got to 30 points yardage-wise, it, it wasn't a horrible day. They didn't get crushed in the run game. Before that Bronco game, they'd given up 180 on the ground in four consecutive games. Now over the last three games, they've averaged giving up 98 yards on the ground. And I think schematically it all started to click. Colin Saunders, the third-round pick, got in at defensive tackle, and Derek Nottie, last year's second-round pick, the other defensive tackle really stepped up their game. Naughty was starting to get a lot of criticism. There were people asking why Saunders was even on the team, and I think that motivated them. They've really come around and given them some big, thick anchors uh, in the middle of the defense. And then from there, uh, it's fanned out. Spagnolo's done a good job with his blitz scheme, so he'll bring a lot of different people. They kind of backed off that last week. You could tell that the Vikes were ready for blitzes everywhere, so he didn't blitz. He really just came with four. And, of course, he had Chris Jones back as well, which helped him get pressure without having to bring the blitz. So, now, I give a lot of credit to Steve Spagnolo and really being able to figure out his talent, get everybody going. Chris Jones was out for a while and he missed, you know, all of the off season because he was holding out looking for a new contract. So I think they're just starting to understand what Spagnolo wants. Spagnolo is starting to understand what they want. Uh their two safeties, getting Tyron Matthew and then the second rounder, Juan Thornhill, their other second round pick. Uh, have been great. Thornhill's been amazing. He's one of the more underrated guys. He's going to be first-team all-rookie. He'll be in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Nobody beats him deep. He's done a great job uh, against the tight ends. I'm going to tell you, he is significantly better in year one than Eric Berry was in year one. Eric Berry was beaten like a drum by tight ends on a regular basis in that first year, and Thornhill just doesn't get beat. So, I think it started with that back secondary uh, and those safeties, and then now everybody's learning that Spagnuolo scheme. And, you know, we're going to find out. The Titans aren't, you know, a Vikings team. That, that's a big marquee team right now. They say, okay, we've got to prove ourselves. Do they have a letdown before they go to Mexico and play the Chargers, an important divisional game, maybe even more important after tonight's game if the Chargers beat the Raiders? Uh, do they have a letdown against Tennessee and not bring it the way they have the last few weeks because they're starting to feel like they're pretty good? Well, well, that to me is the big question mark because – they have found themselves in his scheme, certainly over these last three weeks.
2: Saran so got about 45 seconds, but you you talk about Andy Reid and his work with quarterbacks. Hypothetically, would Marcus Mariota coming to Kansas City be a, a good fit for Marcus Mariota to, to go in what I call the Andy Reid quarterback rehabilitation program?
1: hundred percent. I mean, I love the idea of him coming out and coming to Kansas City. I, you know, I think that she's you know, like that veteran guy, but I think they're at a point that they're either going to have a young guy or a reclamation project behind Patrick Mahomes moving forward. Henny will come off the books. Matt Morris on a one-year deal. And he's absolutely the kind of guy that I think you would see. And I think the Bears, I think Matt Nagy will be interested in him if they're going to punt uh, Trubisky. I know from uh, talking to Matt when he was here in Kansas City, you know, it, with Trubisky, he's tried to design the Alex Smith version of this offense, and Trubisky's now failing at that. You know, he propped him up last year, but I think the Alex Smith version, the safer throws, use your legs, let's have some escape patches against the rush for you to just run for some first downs and get to the next step of the playbook, uh, I think would be absolutely perfect uh, for Marcus Mariota. So I, I think both these teams, this one and the Bears, depending upon what they do at quarterback, would be a great landing spot for him.
0: Saran, appreciate as always. It's going to be a – an interesting game on Sunday. The Titans uh, obviously cannot go into the bye week. Four and six on the season, so they, they no, desperately cause have need. No, can
1: I be over it. on the Titans, so they absolutely cannot go into <laughs> so
0: the a win. Thanks for doing this, as always.
1: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, Siren Petro there in Kansas City Sports Radio 810. We'll come back and discuss a little bit more about this matchup on the other side. ESPN 1025, the game.